0: Hello, and welcome to Law Radio. I'm Kate Galloway. The New South Wales Government has this week passed legislation effectively banning greyhound racing in that state. In this episode, Melissa Caston talks to animal law expert Dr Joanna Kiriakakis, about the context for these reforms and what they mean for the greyhound racing industry. Joanna Kyriakakis, thanks for talking with me today. I know there's been new laws passed in New South Wales about greyhound racing. What's some of the background to those laws? Thanks, Melissa. So,
1: in essence, there have been some previous inquiries into the industry, into the greyhound racing industry, for example, back in 2014, I know the New South Wales government looked into the issue, but really the major event was the Four Corners report that some of the listeners may have actually seen in 2015, where, where they basically did an expose that demonstrated that there was use and quite pre- prevalent use of live baiting in the greyhound racing industry. And live baiting is basically a practice of where live, small live animals are used to train and encourage greyhounds to race very quickly by chasing these animals. And so there are certainly significant welfare issues for the the animals that are being used as bait. Um, This caused a huge public interest in this this practice, which is in fact outlawed in a a lot of states, but was nonetheless going ahead. Uh, And it led the government in um, the New South Wales Parliament to establish a special commission inquiry to look more broadly into the greyhound racing industry because, as I said, they had already heard some concerns about the industry. So in 2015, they set up a special commission inquiry. They appointed the former High Court judge, the Honourable Michael McHugh, to head the inquiry. And the final report of that special commission was delivered just very recently on the 16th of June. So that... Report is really quite damning right. of the industry. It focused specifically on the New South Wales industry. And um, Justice McHugh found, the Honourable McHugh found uh, a number of concerning features about the greyhound racing industry. So I might just briefly tell you some of the major findings that sure. he had. One of the most significant ones was what is described as wastage. That's basically where healthy dogs are bred uh, for the purpose of being part of the industry. And then once they've been deemed uncompetitive or unable, for whatever reason, to successfully race, they are destroyed. They're killed. And he found that the wastage rate of healthy dogs bred for the industry was between 50 to 70% of those being bred. And the numbers are pretty shocking. In the last 12 years, anywhere between sort of 48,000 to 68,000 dogs are being killed. And the commission found that even with reform for example, significantly reducing the number of races, there'd still be very high levels of wastage. In other words, it found that the economic viability of the industry relies on ongoing quite high levels of healthy dog destruction. So that was probably, I think, one of the most significant findings of that commission. But they also found a number of other concerning things. They found, for example, that it was very unlikely that rehoming dogs would be something that could be significantly increased as a way of reducing um, wastage so that wasn't likely to happen they also looked at the fact that the culture of the industry seemed to be pretty hostile to changes in rearing and socialization practices which contribute to wastage numbers so he wasn't very confident that there would be cultural change there and of course they also looked at live baiting which started all of this and found live baiting to be very pervasive those those members of the industry who were brought in to give evidence, quite openly acknowledged. I think nine of the ten that gave evidence acknowledged that live baiting happens, that it's um, largely condoned within a lot of the industry, and the commission found that it was likely to continue, didn't think there was great prospects of reform. They also found that Greyhound Racing New South Wales, which is the body that overviews all of this industry, had a policy of deliberately misleading or misreporting on certain issues, uh, one of which was the extent of injuries of dogs at race courses and and the deaths that had to follow, that was very concerning and that led the commission to argue that the industry, together with these other concerning features, had lost its social license to operate, which is a really interesting concept and some have criticized it. Um, But it's this idea of industry having ongoing acceptance or approval from the local community and Mm. its stakeholders. Mm. And so the commission found this
0: social, license, uh, this social license is really gone it's because kind of, like of a, the behaviours. It's a cost benefit argument, in a way, isn't it? That the costs are, are quite high, the benefits didn't stack up. Yes, indeed. And there was a sense that the failure of the industry in all these
1: ways and also its failure to reform, they looked at the fact that there had been indications of reform and they'd been invited to reform for many years now, had really not been taken up. Mm. And all of this had led the community to really uh, lose its trust in the in the industry and there is also some discussion in the report about the site the economic size of the industry mm. and and i think it is important to keep in mind that the findings were that the industry is not enormous mm. this is contentious mm. Mm. Um, but uh, the baird government for example have subsequently said look we're looking at one to two thousand people directly involved mm. in the industry not taking into account also breeders yeah and i think the relative small size of the industry contributed to what followed after this commission yeah. report. So the commission report ended with two possibilities. Right. One was you have a reform process and there was 79 reform steps that would be needed. There wasn't a lot of confidence in the, by the commission that that reform would result in enormous changes. Mm. There would be issues that would still exist. And the second re- recommendation was end the industry. And rather surprisingly, I think, the Baird government just decided that that was the decision they had to take. So they determined that they
0: would ban bring to an end greyhound racing in New South Wales. It seems like a really quite dramatic outcome. I can see that given what you've told me about the kind of tone of the report and yes. the scope of the problems that they are raising, it. I guess the government made a policy decision that a quick end to it was more feasible or, or a, a better policy outcome than trying to struggle with reform over a series of years. So... The laws have just gone through Parliament. What's the scope of those laws?
1: Yes, the laws have gone through very quickly, which is one of the criticisms of, um, of the opposition and other parties. So, in essence, they introduced, um, the, the government in New South Wales introduced the Greyhound Racing Prohibition Bill. It went through just yesterday, which was mm. the Wednesday the 24th mm. of um, August. Um, basically, that's a bill to prohibit greyhound racing and to dissolve greyhound racing New South Wales now what it does so what does the bill do Mm. there's a couple of things it does first of all it bans greyhound racing as of the first of july 2017
0: in new south wales in new
1: south wales Mm. Wales only this is a state government bill and there are other states in australia that continue to have greyhound racing they won't be affected by this Mm. victoria being one of them it will also the bill also appoints a greyhound racing administrator who's basically going to wind up greyhound racing new south wales Mm. over the next year and continue operating the racing industry until it ends Mm. in one year's time. And then once the ban is in place, it creates a series of offences if you were to go ahead and and do greyhound racing. So, for example, it's an offence after that closure date Mm. to run a greyhound racing meet or to officiate one. Mm. It prohibits the keeping of greyhounds in New South Wales. For the purposes of racing in New South Wales, you can still keep a greyhound in New South Wales as a pet, or actually for the purpose of it racing interstate okay but that is something they're looking to reform Mm. in a longer term Mm -hmm. and they also therefore note that there's a couple of other things that will be rolled out in the longer term Mm. so for example the ceasing of training of greyhounds is something that's going to be brought to an end but not immediately Mm -hmm. so they're talking to industry about that and likewise breeding greyhounds for racing will be prohibited at a later date once they work with industry on that and it creates offences if over this next year, those who have racing greyhounds retire them or transfer them mm-hmm. to other people or destroy them without getting the consent of greyhound racing Victoria. So this is to try and avoid the unorganised destruction of the dogs because yes. they recognise that destruction of dogs will follow. Yes. But the argument from the government is it would be following anyway because as we've already seen, it's a part and parcel of the industry, yep. is their claim. So this is what the this is what the the legislation says worth noting that the new south Wales government has also said as a policy matter Mm. that they're going to be helping the industry transition so they're going to actually be working with people whose livelihoods are affected in some way to help them mitigate those Mm. losses Uh, but one of the critiques of this bill is that it's not stated in the bill that there'll be any kind Mm. of compensation right even though the bill allows that the government is basically going to acquire property related to greyhound racing so this is one of the criticisms yeah. that it's a put on faith that there will be this process of transition right. for the industry compensatory but it's not, and some sort of compensatory mechanism or something like that mm. but that's not actually provided in the legislation so i guess that's a wait and see matter and was that
0: something discussed in the commission report or that well wasn't anticipated
1: i'd have to check i don't know the answer to that actually yeah
0: fine yeah um but this doesn't have any necessary impact or great impact on victoria or queensland or other states so is there anything uh, do these provisions effectively protect people from kind of pushing that business into the other states nearby and but continue their breeding and training yeah. at least in the short term until, yeah, until I, that stabilises?
1: I think that's an interesting question and it's not clear to me from the bill and what I've seen so far how that's going to be managed because, indeed, this does not change the situation in other states. Mm. Um, as we saw, the keeping of racing greyhounds for the purpose of them racing in other states will continue to be mm. allowed, but that's only in the short term. Yeah. So I take it that this is something that the government is going to review and, then and an find resolutions to. Yeah, because there's
0: an interesting interaction with Victorian laws that stop, quite backyard breeding yes. and prohibit repeated breedings from, repeated from the same dog. No, that's an interesting interaction because if you've got limited breeding in Victoria and some form of limitation on breeding in New South Wales, I guess that what that means is there's going to be a lot less greyhounds over time i mean i would think i mean uh, the goal here is in essence to
1: limit the breeding i think of of greyhounds Mm. so that we don't have i mean there's no longer an industry to take them up and therefore there's no longer the breeding that's going to lead to high levels of destruction Mm. how this affects the interplay between state breeders and state racing industries Mm. it's just not clear to me Mm. and i suspect it's a complicated question which is why It's going to be part of the next phase of um, parliamentary activity. Yeah, but I, I I've not, I've yet to see exactly how that's going to be rolled out.
0: So some of the arguments in favour of this, this development. I mean, you have spoken already about the animal welfare Mm. issue and and the cruelty to both the live bait, Mm. baits, the small animals, um, but also the cruelty involved in the the breeding dogs and the. So called wastage of the healthy, otherwise healthy dogs. Are there other arguments apart from those animal welfare, uh, actual, you know, kind of physical welfare arguments? There are, and I think it's worth noting that the animal welfare
1: issues go beyond the two points we've mentioned so far. It also goes to the treatment of the dogs within the racing industry mm. itself. There's concerns that a lot of dogs that are injured in the process of racing don't get veterinary care in, because that's an expensive proposition. Mm-hmm. So instead, they're killed in ways that are perhaps not quite as humane as they would be if there was a vet involved, or they're killed when a vet would not be recommending the killing of the right. dog. So there's the industry issues of the injuries to the greyhounds, um, and de- sometimes mass destructions, and yes. uh, so that's quite um, quite detailed in the McHugh report. And I must mm-hmm. say, if people are interested, the McHugh Commission report, which you can find on the New South Wales Parliament website. Even just volume one, which is a summary, has a lot of detail there that explains all of this. But what were the other arguments? Well, the other arguments in favour were things like um, the industry has just not shown itself capable of reform by its behaviour so far. That's Mm. obviously a value judgment, but that came out of the Commission report. And that it's unlikely to be able to reform in a way that will meet the animal welfare expectations that Australians now have Mm. with regard to animals and our treatment of animals. The argument was that there will be this transition process which ensures that there's at least a lessening of the impact financially on those who are affected. Mm. And the Parliament government has pointed out that already the industry had indicated in recent years that it's failing mm. and that it would need to close country tracks, for example, in the near future. And if we accept that, the loss of livelihoods was going to come in any mm. respect. Mm. That's their argument. Right. And therefore this is actually better because it's a, a managed process. Mm. And they also, interestingly, I think, preempted some critiques, which is they said that there's no risk of slippage here Mm. in the sense that it affects this industry. Right. This industry has peculiar problems Mm. and it is not uh, a situation that is replicated elsewhere. So, for example, it's not true of horse racing, Mm -hmm. which has a a more robust regulatory culture, Mm. nor is it true of our animal animal industries, Mm. where the argument is they're already subject to pretty careful humane regulation mm. now i think that's interesting because there is an argument that the problem of wastage they're talking about in the greyhound racing industry is not peculiar to it mm. um, our dairy industry our um, egg industries yeah. they are predicated on the destruction of of animals that can't be used for the industry mm. at very large numbers yeah and they're predicting you know they're preempted that that's going mm. to be comp- raised as a critique here and they've yes. said no no those are better regulated yeah. the way in which that's done is better regulated the arguments against yeah. well one of them has been the slippage argument right. so some parliamentarians from the opposite side have said well you're only saying this because we don't eat dogs
0: right okay so you're
1: only unwilling to put up with this because it's the nature of the dog there's this wastage problem in a lot of other right. in a lot of other industries what do you say to that right. you know these are industries that our culture and our communities rely upon uh, and you're making uh, an unfair decision with regard to this this particular group but other arguments have been you should have given the industry an opportunity to reform mm. there was a reform option that should have been given mm. the a run at least there's the critique that there was a failure to explicitly provide for a compensation scheme so some uncertainty mm. that will that really happen of course the cost to the livelihoods of people who re- re- rely on this industry and also it's a part of some people's cultural mm. experiences so um, there's a lot of concern that this decision is unduly unfair and also the point that everyone is being in the industry is being effectively punished mm. for the wrongs of a few. Mm which is a different way of perhaps reading the commission report, but saying there are some who are the bad apples and mm. here everyone's getting a collective punishment. And some have criticised the idea of a social licence, mm. some have criticised McHugh and the and the um, report itself and, and don't trust the uh, details of it. And there's also the argument that this has gone too quickly through Parliament. Mm. There should have been more debate, more mm. engagement. So it's quite a contentious it feels uh, it,
0: it is a contentious one but it also feels like it's another example and we've seen a few of these where exposure in a in a television program or a, or a current affairs program actually is expediting policy and then legislative change Uh, But are we actually relying on TV exposés as a a way of policy development in Australia now?
1: I've got to say in the area of animal welfare regulation, I mean, we've had two examples of this. It has taken undercover investigatory efforts to uncover the extent of a problem and the nature of the violence that's being suffered by animals being put to the public. People seeing what we don't often see mm. and being shocked by mm. it. So, in this beer, it's very true. Mm. So, the example of the live baiting scandal, Four Corners, but there's also the Four Corners, if you remember, a bloody business, mm. which we've seen a more recent version of the live um, export mm. of animals, Australian cattle and, and sheep, and how they've been treated in countries that they're exported to, which mm. led to almost immediate changes to the industry. In that case, they weren't long standing changes but here we're seeing a really significant change. So there's no doubt that exposure of the public to the facts of what's going on, and sometimes quite gratuitous, quite shocking footage, Mm. is really obviously creating pressure on Parliament Mm. where the public is saying, we don't like this, we're not happy about this, and expediting them to then do the inquiries they need to do to take policy change. So it's really remarkable. And I would just note on that I think there's some fear in these industries, animal industries, about that, which is why we've seen in a number of states in Australia uh, efforts to introduce what's called ag-gag laws, Mm. basically rules that make even higher penalties for individuals who are found to trespass in order to get footage of what's going on, for example, in um, industrial food production areas and things like that. Mm. So there's... There is some laws that have been talked about as to whether we need stronger prohibitions for those who are doing this kind of undercover investigation, Mm. where they're breaking rules like going onto private property to get the footage. But I do think we're seeing here some public value. I mean, I can't condone those kinds of behaviours. They're actually already outlawed Mm. to go onto private property, but we're definitely seeing the impact of news reporting
0: in this area it's amazing. So it sounds like in animal rights in Australia is a matter of out of sight out of mind you know but if it bleeds it leads and yeah. they're actually dealing with animal rights as a matter of what the public disclosure uh, cycle is rather than any kind of principled approach to the overall issue. I, I think there's
1: to some to some extent that's true I mean I think people are often um, uh, just not aware of uh, how a lot of our industries operate and what's built into those processes we don't see i guess as the way we would have a hundred years ago i mean we saw farms you know near near where we were living and now that's just not true so i think you're right i think when things are put in front of us in very bloody terms it can it can really confront individuals and lead to change and we definitely i think there's no doubt we definitely treat animals in different industries with different moral standards. I mean, these are dogs. We kind of, we're used to having them as our companions and uh, I'm not sure people would, how does that translate to our treatment of chickens, of, of pigs? Mm. Of, it, it, yeah, I mean, we don't have, a, I think, a entirely consistent views mm. around animals. I think there's definite different views on, um, depending on the nature of the animal and how we use it. But here it's for sport, entertainment, And I guess the the stakes are not as high.
0: Joanna Kiriakakis, thank you very much.
1: Thanks very much.
0: You've been listening to Melissa Caston speaking with Dr Joanna Kiriakakis. You can find out more about the issues raised in this episode on our blog at lawradio.net. If you like Law Radio, you can subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening. See you next time.